everybody, what's up? What is going down? It's your boy, Trent McClellan, back with another episode of the Generators Podcast here on the Comedy Here Often Podcast Network. Um, recording this this evening in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada, Earth. And uh, I was feeling a bit nostalgic, you know, with everything going on in the world. I'm sure I'm not the only person out there who's looking backwards a little bit and remembering how things were and how things started. And uh, what I have decided to do for this special episode is I know some folks are new to the to the podcast and have just discovered over the last little while. And I'm quite thankful to the two folks who, uh, who are tuning in every single week. And uh, if you're just discovering it, awesome. Welcome. And if you've been there from the get-go, thank you so much. Uh, it means a lot. But what I decided to do on this episode is kind of give people um, a little bit of a recap um, as to what some of the earlier episodes were about. So what I'm going to do tonight is give you a little bit of a... Uh, a synopsis of the first 12 episodes of the, uh, of the generators podcast. And, um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about maybe some behind the scenes stuff from each episode or what I remember from each episode. So I haven't, a few of them I've gone back and listened to over the last little while, but some, I'm just going to actually literally look at the name and remember what I can from the episode. And maybe, um, it may give you a little bit of an incentive to, to go back and listen to these episodes, depending on what your interests are. Um, I think for me, um, the first episode of the podcast, uh, aired on May 26, 2017, which, uh, is fascinating to me to consider that because this is, you know, it'll be almost four years this year. And, uh, I mean, I took some time off in between and, and different things, uh, you know, tons of life happened in between and big changes happened for me, but, um, my original idea with starting the podcast was simply just to have great conversations with people and to learn from them and pick their brain a little bit, get to know them and just share that with an audience and people can take that and do what they want with it. That was it. That was the whole goal of the podcast. I've never had any you know, dreams of monetizing it. I didn't start it for that reason. Um, and it's kind of cool now to watch People kind of tune in now every single week and people are going for drives across the, you know, across a province or people are listening to it at work or at home or, or doing whatever. And uh, people reaching out and letting me know how the podcast is, has helped them or how much they've been enjoying it. And it means the world. But it just started as a little innocent project to kind of just follow my own natural curiosity and uh, and get to know some people and their creative process and how they generate their work and create it. And, uh, and so that's where it started. So here we are now in 2021, uh, it'll be February, you know, when you're listening to this and, you know, in 2021 and, and to think that I'm four years now into this and 70 plus episodes in it's, you know, pretty cool. So anyway, I wanted to give you a little bit of a snapshot of the first 12 episodes. And so if you're new, you can, you can go back and kind of find these episodes and uh, and take what you like from them. Um, so let's start in the beginning. That's where you always should start, you know, is at the beginning. My very first episode was with a comedian named Dylan Mandelson. And Dylan's a hilarious comedian that I'd never met before. And he was playing the Comedy Cave in Calgary. And I reached out to him 
somehow, I don't know if it was on social media or through email and just said, I must've had, it must've been the weakest pitch ever to get somebody on your podcast. Like, Hey man, I'm starting a podcast. I'd like you to be my first guest. Uh, we'll talk about, you know, creative process and, and writing jokes and doing whatever, and it'll go wherever it'll go. And, uh, he must've been pretty bored because he said yes. And so we, <laughs> I remember going to pick him up at the comedy condo, which is, if you don't know, a lot of comedy clubs, rather than putting you in a hotel for an entire weekend, they just buy a condo or rent a condo and they just put the comedian in a condo for a bunch of days. And when you play the comedy cave in Calgary, it used to be anyway that you were there from like a Tuesday to a Monday. Like it was almost a full week of being in that city. Um, playing that place. So you'd be in this condo for a week or more. So I think I went and picked Dylan up at this uh, condo and we kind of met, we're both tall, lanky guys. And so uh, we hit it off right away. We, we went for lunch, I think first, grabbed some food. And then we went back to my old place in Calgary and uh, we sat down and we got into real nuts and bolts stand up. And I love that stuff. Like I'm a comedy junkie. I love learning about everything about people's process and creating stuff, how they approach writing material, how they approach performing it. And Dylan and I got into that pretty deep Um, kind of little tricks that he uses to generate material, how he'll do it throughout the day, a little exercise to see if he can make situations funny in his mind. Uh, I remember him saying that and that really stood out for me in that conversation. And I remember he coined the term It was the first time I heard it. Maybe he invented it, but it was like, this concept of winlets about creating momentum in a day. And if you can just start with little, little tiny wins, you know, early in your day, you just create momentum. And I thought that was pretty profound and something that I thought about a lot after our talk. And uh, it was really, really good. And just so you know, going into this, having a podcast for the first time, I mean, I had a few episodes of another podcast called Tuesdays with Trent, I do believe. And it was just me every week rambling. And I don't know, I just got bored of that after a while. I was like, I just want to, you know, talk to people and, and capture those conversations. But I did have some nervousness about it at first because I was like, you know, I got to talk to these people. What if these people are not, you know, great and they don't want to give extended answers and they're just answering yes or no, or if I'm not answering or if I'm not asking the right questions, um, you know, these interviews will flop and they just won't have any impact and they, they won't be interesting. But I don't know, I kind of just discovered my own style. And I'm not to say it's perfect, but it's kind of just being authentic and just being myself and following my own natural curiosity. So the one with Dylan, I'm just really, I remember at the time being very happy that the the talk went really, really well and that we just had a good chemistry and it flowed and and we just kind of bounced off each other. And uh, it's a really good episode. If you're real, if you really like the nuts and bolts of stand-up comedy, um, it, that first episode with Dylan Mandelson is a great one to check out. And uh, so, yeah, go back and check that one out. So that's number one. Episode number two is with my now friend, Tommy Wielden Jr. Now, Tommy at that time was the, uh, I believe he was a technical director and, had, and the head coach of the Foothills soccer team in the Professional Development League. And so I went up to his the training facility at Foothills in Calgary, Foothills Soccer, a really cool facility they have up there. Um, like an in, indoor, you know, pitch and, uh, you know, weight room and that kind of stuff. And it was really cool to see how professional that setup was. And I was like, wow, this is literally 
at the time, it was like five minutes from my house. And I was like, this is insane. I would have loved something like this when I was playing soccer back in the day, you know, to, to have the, the facilities like that. And I just saw how serious he was about developing the game in Calgary and in Canada and about how he ultimately wanted to bring professional soccer to Calgary. And now here we are in 2021 and he is a general manager and now head coach of Calvary FC, which is the professional soccer team in, uh, in Calgary. And just to see what they've grown over the last, last couple of years has just been mind blowing, you know, but just meeting him at that time, I think I reached out to him on social media on Twitter or something. We had a little bit of rapport going back and forth said, Hey, I got a podcast. <laughs> I need, I need a guest. It's the second episode. And, uh, he, he also must've been bored. And he said, yes. And, uh, I went up there He gave me a tour of the facility, as I said, and we just talked soccer, man. And, you know, my days playing, you know, what he looks for in players. And again, we had a good chemistry right off the top as well. And, and I would not consider him a friend. So, it, it it was really cool to to go up there and see again how serious he was and how big his vision was because now four years later a lot of the stuff that we talked about in that first interview has now come to fruition and so it's really cool to be around people who are big dreamers and not just dreamers but people who then execute on that dream you know I think a lot of folks don't do the execution part they do the dream part they do the talk part but they don't do the work, the grunt stuff to make it happen. And Tommy and his team are definitely people who dream it up, but they also follow through and they execute on it. And uh, it was really, really nice to see where it began and now where it is. And now he's had players who have come through his system and played on Calvary FC, who've now got call-ups to the Canadian national team. Like it's just been, this has been a great story, a success, a success story. And a situation where now, you know, Calgary's fallen in love with this Calgary soccer team and they've made it, um, they've made it a big event in Calgary. So it's been really, really, really cool to watch that. And, uh, so that was my first time meeting him was this was episode two, uh, Tommy Wilden Jr. So check that one out. If you're a big soccer fan or a sports fan in general, plus he's just got a cool British accent. So if you're into accents, check out episode two with Tommy Wilden Jr. My third episode was with my friend Lachlan Patterson, who's a stand-up comedian. And Lachlan is from Vancouver, BC, originally. And this episode was recorded at Parlor Live Comedy Club in Bellevue, Washington. And I was opening for Lachlan. And we were in between shows, I do believe, um, at, at this Parlor Live place in Bellevue. And Bellevue, by the way, if you have not been... Is just outside of Seattle. Absolutely beautiful place. It's a beautiful area. And uh, I got to play there twice, actually. But I remember reaching out to the comedy club there. They were going to let me play there. And they said, well, Lachlan Patterson is coming through. And he's a buddy of mine. Do you think I could open for Lachlan? And they said, well, Lachlan's cool with it. So I reached out to Lachlan. He's like, oh, my God, dude, it'd be great to catch up. We hadn't seen each other in years. So we did that. And so we, I remember that weekend we hung out. We wrote some jokes together. And uh, went for lunch and stuff. And it's great when you're two comedians who like to write with pen and paper, because then you get to hang out on the weekend and just kind of try bits. And if you've seen each other's act for a couple of times now in a weekend, you can actually give each other little notes on it if they want them and kind of riff. So we did that a little bit, which is great. And I think some some jokes actually originated from our little session. But this uh, this episode was recorded, I do believe, in between shows. 
um, in Bellevue, Washington. And I think at one point, actually, the server just walks in in the middle of our conversation, just asks if we want anything, any food or any drinks or whatever. So I think you actually hear that in this episode is this, uh, this innocent server who doesn't know that these uh, two Canadians are actually recording a podcast um, in the green room of this comedy club. So uh, I don't know if that comedy club is there anymore, actually. I think it may have closed maybe a year ago, a little under a year ago, but uh, as many comedy clubs have, sadly, I don't think it was anything COVID related. I think it just happened before that. But uh, yeah, so that episode was there. This is also a great conversation, just talking about the business, the hustle that's involved in it. And uh, uh, it's a good episode as well, if you like the nuts and bolts and behind the scenes of uh, what it's like to be a stand-up comedian. And uh, because a lot of times people don't talk about it, but this uh, podcast, we've we've talked about it quite openly and uh, we're not hiding anything, you know? That's episode three, Lachlan Patterson. So you can check that one out. Episode four is with uh, sports broadcaster Eric Francis at a Calgary. This episode was recorded, I do believe, at a restaurant downtown Calgary, a restaurant bar in Kensington in Calgary. And I remember thinking, my God, this might be really terrible audio-wise because it's just, you know... Uh, secondary noise of other people in the restaurant and glasses clinking and all that stuff. But I didn't really know where else to meet Eric. We didn't know each other. Um, so I thought oh, I'll meet in a neutral place. We'll meet at this restaurant. I actually knew the manager of the restaurant. So he was like, yeah, man, no problem. Come on down and do it. And uh, it actually worked out okay. Um, Eric uh, obviously is a Calgary sports broadcaster. So we talk a lot about the Calgary Flames in this episode. And What I thought was really great about this, if you have an interest in this kind of stuff, is that you don't often hear sports journalists talk about what it's really like to be a sports journalist and how what the challenges are. And I remember one of the questions I asked Eric Francis was, you know, if you write an article or you talk about the play of a certain player on the Calgary Flames and it's not in glowing terms, like you're you're criticizing them and their play. You might have to go in the dressing room the next day and face that player that you just may have ripped, you know, the day before, you know, on radio or in a newspaper article. And how do you deal with that? How do the players deal with it? You know, and I remember his answer to that was really, really good and very eye-opening. And again, this is just me following my natural curiosity, asking questions that I've always wanted to ask people. Like I literally treat it like I'm a child. Uh, and it's take your kid to work day, and I get to just ask questions about well, why, why, why do you do that? How come that's it? How, why, how come, what, what, who is that guy? Like that's that's what I, how I approach these interviews. I just ask the questions that you know um, a child would ask, basically. And um, he was very, very honest about it and about how he approaches it. And so I think you'd really enjoy the answer to that question. And. Uh, his early start in journalism and broadcasting is very interesting as well. I think, you know, for all the people you see on television and the people who have, you know, quote unquote made it, although, you know, I don't ever believe someone does actually make it. I think you're always trying to make it regardless of what stage you're at. But, uh, he talks about his early days and about the influence, I think of his, his family as well, you know, his parents, I think, and, and, you know, his, uh, his broadcasting career. So, um, Everyone's on a journey, man. And, uh, you know, Eric was, uh, was pretty forthcoming about his own and, and just talking about the, like I said, the honesty and the, the reality of what it's like to be a sports journalist and, and what you have to do and what you have to put up with at times. And uh, it was really, really great. So we had a lot of good laughs as well. Now, this one, I remember it was a fun one. And 
again, I was starting to get more and more confident talking to strangers now because I'm like, Dylan, I didn't know. Tommy, I didn't know. Eric, I didn't know. Lachlan, I knew a little bit. But now I'm talking to strangers and I'm starting to find my groove as to you know, how to, how to approach these things and, uh, and, and feel like, okay, I'll figure it out as I go. I'll come in with some questions in my mind, but I'll just let the, the conversation flow organically. So, so if you're into sports broadcasting and journalism and that kind of thing, Eric Francis, episode four would be a great one for you. Now, this next episode uh, was episode five, and it was a special episode. It marked the 20-year anniversary since my grandmother slash mother, she raised me, passed away. And I felt like it was a bit of a tribute episode to her. And talking about dealing with, you know, devastating loss because I lost my grandmother pretty suddenly. She wasn't sick. She passed away from a heart attack. She was getting ready to go camping and uh, at 78 years old, believe it or not, and just died while she was on the phone with, you know, her, her friend who was getting ready to pick her up to go camping. And, uh, she just died of a heart attack and it was devastating to me. I wasn't in corner Brook at the time where she passed. I was in St. John's. And, uh, in this episode, I talk about how you try and navigate loss like that. And when you don't see it coming, how do you pick yourself up and move on? And, uh, but what the great, the great part about this episode for me is, yeah, I got to share my own dark time, but people people wrote in with their own stories because I think I'd ask them to to share their own dark time and how they got through it. And I I do believe I read a couple of emails from people from listeners and uh, and their stories, and they were pretty uh, pretty emotional. You know, when people are that vulnerable to share that with you, um, you want to do it justice. And so, you know, it's not a, uh, it's not a happy go lucky episode, episode five. It's, it's about being vulnerable and about how at some points we all have to dig deep within ourselves and find a way out of it. You know, when you're in the dark that you don't expect to see it coming, something happens and you're on your knees literally, and you got to try and find a way to get back up and keep going. And uh, people share those stories. So that's always a special episode for me and that just people were um, trusted me enough to send in those stories and to share them. And so I could share them with you guys. And um, so yeah, episode five is always a special one for me. So uh, yeah, go back and check that one out. And if you're going through a rough time, maybe there's some tips in there and some motivation for you that maybe you could use at this time. So episode five um, is a great one. <clears throat> the next episode, episode six, was my chat with Dave Nystrom, who's a uh, comedian, a good friend of mine. And we've recorded this one at a Denny's in Calgary. I'm telling you, people, I was I would have chatted to anyone anywhere. I would have went on the bus and sat next to someone while the bus was moving and just chatted why you heard the the bell ringing every time someone was stopping to get off. Like I, I was like, whoever, wherever you want to meet, you want to meet, you want me to just sit around in your passenger seat of your car while we drive around town and I'll ask you questions. I got no problem. Wherever the guest wanted to meet, whatever they could fit in, I was doing it. So now I'm sitting at a Denny's. Okay. Which is just a breakfast place. Me and Dave are sitting across. You can hear cutlery clinking. You can hear some background noise in this one. And again, Dave and I just get into, the reality of being a stand-up comedian, and we have a good time doing it, but I think we're very honest about uh, the underbelly of comedy because a lot of people think 
you know, you just sit around laughing all day and life's great, but there's a price to pay to be a stand-up comedian. And quite often when people ask me, you know, hey, I want to be a stand-up comedian, what do you think? I'm like, it's, you know, I often say it's not, you know, the stage part, whatever, you can try and figure that out. But it's the other stuff you got to deal with, the travel, the isolation, the loneliness, all that is really hard and it's not for everybody. And so Dave and I get into that a little bit about how much isolation there is in <laughs> as a stand-up comedian. And one of the highlights of this episode is that Dave, I remember, tells me that he can remember a decision that he made that changed the course of his life. And to this day, I still remember him telling me that story because I really do believe this is that classic Steve Jobs quote about how you can only connect the dots looking backwards in your life. That looking forwards, it just none of it seems to make sense. But when you look back on decisions you made or events that happen, you can connect all these dots and, and see that they led you to a certain place. And Dave tells me in this episode how one decision that he made kind of influenced the rest of his life, you know, uh, going forward. So I remember that. And uh, it's a really cool moment in this episode. And uh, yeah, we do a lot of laughing in this one, but also we're very, <laughs> very honest about what it's like to be a stand-up comedian. So uh, if you have interest in being a stand-up comedian, I would check out that episode with Dave Nystrom and myself. Again, recorded live at a Denny's restaurant off McKnight Boulevard in Calgary. Okay. Your boy here would have went anywhere to get the talk in the interview. All right. So that was episode um, six with Dave Nystrom. The next episode, episode seven, is with Judy Gabriel. Now, Judy Gabriel, I met maybe at Breakfast Television 15 years ago, perhaps. When I was going in there to do a segment, I think I had a week trial as a breakfast television television in Calgary, breakfast television, you know, remote correspondent or whatever. And I met Judy just quickly there. And then I think we just were kept in, you know, contact on social media over the years. And then I thought like, I really want to start getting, you know, more females on the show. And I want to talk to, you know, women who are doing other things in entertainment or just in, you know, professionally in general. And Judy you know, had always been a TV personality, but also had now gone on to do documentaries and started a production company. So I thought, my God, she'd be a fantastic guest to talk about her journey and, you know, her own self-employment and what she, what her childhood was like. She was also a refugee. Um, so there's just so many angles there that intrigued me. Now, the catch with this episode is, again, your boy was willing to meet anywhere. So we went to a coffee shop in Kensington to do this episode, we sit down, we had one of the best conversations I've ever had with anyone at any time, podcast or not. Incredible conversation. She was brutally honest, so vulnerable. I mean, it was, it was incredible. It was just, it was like, wow, I don't know if a human being can give you more than that. So I'm recording this podcast. We wrap it up. I, it, it went on for, we were well over an hour, I do believe. It was incredible. I say, thank you so much. I wrap it up. I get home. I listen back to the interview and I realize I hit the wrong button on my Zoom recorder. And now I didn't activate the microphones that we were using. I just had the main microphone on the, on the uh, Zoom recorder. So all you can hear, you can barely hear her answers, but you can't hear any of the questions that I'm asking. It was just, it was unusable. This, this, so I'm now devastated. I've asked this person to give me, you know, an hour and a half of their time 
They've been gracious enough to do so. I don't know her that well. She is brutally honest with me. And I mean, shares parts of her life that were quite painful and traumatic, you know, in the middle of this coffee shop talking to me. And now I have to let her know that I'm an idiot who didn't press the right button. And now this podcast is unusable. And can we do this chat again? And I I felt so bad. Now, remember, I'm literally a handful of episodes into this podcast. So I'm thinking this woman must think this guy is an idiot. It is amateur hour. Hell no, I am not going to do this. I already gave you some of my time and you've wasted it. She was gracious enough to say, yeah, okay, not a problem. She's like, it's happened to me before. Don't worry about it. And so she came over to my old place and we sat down and had another conversation for about another hour and a half or two hours. And again, just incredible conversation. She was brutally honest again, very, very open about her childhood, the struggles that she had and what it's like going forward. Some of the struggles that women have um, in the professional arena and very, very honest about it. She's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet and super, super talented. And uh, so anyway, she was gracious enough to do that. And so I, I learned a lot in that moment too about kindness and forgiveness and, and, you know, in a professional setting, we often think about it with our family and our friends, but in a professional setting, she was just so kind to be able to do that uh, interview again and, and sit down and talk. And uh, it meant the world to me at that time. And it still does. So it's a great episode. Again, um, if you're looking for something that's motivational, uh, the talk with Judy Gabriel is a fantastic one. And that is episode seven. The next episode is episode eight with Ivan Decker. Now, Ivan Decker is a Juno award-winning comedian out of Vancouver. He won the first ever Juno award for stand-up comedy. And uh, I've known Ivan for years. He has been one of my peers. We started roughly at the same time. You know, every city has their crew and, and depending on what year you start. And Ivan was always the guy that I was hearing about in Vancouver you know, when I was based in Calgary and it, uh, but we always got along every time we met, we just, we hit it off and, and always had great conversations. So this episode again was recorded at my old place in Calgary. We went for lunch after this episode, I do remember. And we again, get into process of stand up and about career. And Ivan to this day is still one of the hardest working comedians that I know. He goes to work. I remember in this episode, he talks about how he wrote every word of his act down out on paper. And then he went through it to see if there were any words he could cut out. Now, for if you're not a comedy uh, connoisseur or comedy geek in comedy, quite often what we call, you know, getting rid of words and stuff is just called like trimming the fat. Like, does that word need to be in there? Now, a lot of comedians just kind of riff and they, develop stand-up comedy by just, you know, riffing out loud. They might not write it down on paper, but comedians like Seinfeld, um, Ivan, I think to a certain degree, they literally want to go through it with a fine tooth comb and go like, that word doesn't need to be there. I can get rid of that word. So basically what that does is it, it shortens the time between the setup of the joke and the punchline of the joke. So it makes it more economical and more efficient. And um, it's those kind of things that are just like, not everybody has that work ethic. Not everyone wants to sit down and do that tedious, you know, minutia type work 
to just fine tune their act. But Ivan has that drive and that, uh, and he's had incredible success. He's gone on to do late night spots and on American television and, uh, was doing a bunch of spots, a bunch of shows in, in the United States, um, for the last couple of years. And then I guess with COVID and stuff, things kind of slowed down, but, uh, his star was on the rise and continues to be, and a very, very smart guy, very nice, but also a guy he's talented, but also has brains and work ethic. And when you have all those things together, I mean, you're pretty much unstoppable plus a nice guy. So, I mean, you know, throw all those things together. I mean, guys, Swiss army knife of, uh, standup comedy. So yeah, again, if you're a big comedy fan and you just like talking about process and learning about it, the episode with Ivan Decker is a, uh, is a great one at, uh, and episode eight. All right. This next one is with episode nine is with um, Kate Grant. Kate is, uh, or was at that time, I don't know if she still is, is a personal trainer. And I was really intrigued to talk to her about the, uh, the world of fitness and about training and what it's like to be a personal trainer. Because I've always thought, you know, you look at personal trainers from the outside and you go, oh man, it's got to be a cool job. You know, you're you're motivating people. You're getting people in shape. You're changing their lives. You're changing their self-concept. Uh, but you know, any career, any job clearly has its struggles. There are things that are very, very hard about it. And this episode, again, I think was done at a coffee shop, maybe a Starbucks, I think, in Calgary. So you'll probably hear some background noise in this one. But Kate's very honest about sometimes some of the mental blocks people have about reaching their fitness goals. And I think, you know, you look at your own life, if you've tried to tackle something or make a change in your life, it's 100% mental, right? It's like, if you're not going to allow yourself to make that change, then the physical thing just does not happen. You know, you got to flick a switch in your head in order for your body to change. You got to go, okay, I'm going to get up, get dressed, go to the gym, train, or once I come home, I'm going to put the right food in my body. I'm going to drink lots of water. You know, like these are all battles we're all dealing with every single day in our heads. You know, it's not the body so much. It's just getting your brain in the right place um, to allow yourself to reach your goals. And so Kate talks about that a lot about how, you know, more than just training someone's body, it's training their mind to give up old thought patterns, you know, to allow themselves to have success. So um, I thought it was a really, really cool episode to get her insights on, uh, on all that, because I, I, you know, we've all been there. We've all had periods where we're really in a, you know, really in a good groove and we're, we're doing the right things and we're taking care of ourselves. And then sometimes we slip and we're not eating the way we should. We're not exercising. And like, what's the difference? You know, you're the same person, but suddenly now your mindset's changed and now your behavior changes, you know, you're doing different things or you're, you're not doing the right things that you should be doing. So why is that? So we get into that a little bit. And uh, she talks about her background, how she got into fitness um, and fitness training. And uh, I think it's a really good episode for that. If you have if you have an interest in, in that career path or um, the challenges that go along with that, that episode with, uh, with Kate Grant is, is really, really good. So uh, yeah, that was episode nine of the podcast. So check that one out. Go back and check it out. Kate Grant. Next one is episode 10, and I was super, super nervous about this one because uh, this was my first phoner. So this was the first time I did it, did an interview and had to find a way to hook up my phone to my Zoom recorder and do a phone call with Cassie Campbell Pascal. Now, uh, Cassie Campbell 
uh, of course, is the, you know, Canadian Olympic hockey star, um, you know, for Team Canada for so many years. And then she married Brad Pascal, who's involved with the Calgary Flames. So now she's Cassie Campbell Pascal. And I met Cassie just quickly at a charity event in Calgary um, earlier that year, I do believe. And uh, it was Brian Burke's Targets for Kids event where you're actually shooting guns at like targets and stuff. And it's a, it was a really, really fun time. And I met her briefly there. And so then I reached out and said, hey, do you know, would you like to be on my podcast? And so we did this phone interview and I was just getting so worried after the Judy Gabriel incident with me pressing the wrong button. I was like, oh my God, I got to get this right. And so I was testing it and trying to make sure that I have this set up properly because it was my first phone interview that I was doing and I was I was hyper nervous about it. Plus, I didn't know Cassie very well. Um, you know, you just and these people to me, especially in the sporting world, quite often are legends, you know, and you just don't want to waste their time. They've done so many interviews. They've heard so many questions. You're just like, well, how can I do this in a way that's interesting for them and engaging? And uh, I've never felt a lot of pressure on that one. But Cassie was super nice, super easy to talk to. Um, I felt it right away in the first few minutes of our of our conversation. And um one of the highlights of this conversation for me was her talking about Team Canada's women's hockey team, their rivalry with the USA women's hockey team and how nasty that was. Like there was a real dislike slash hate for one another. And uh, she's very, very open and honest about uh, the temperature of that rivalry when she was in the heat of it. And I was, I was like, wow, that is... That is real. I mean, I played sports and I had rivalries with different teams, but this one between the Canadian women's hockey team and the U.S. women's hockey team is uh, is as is pretty as heated as it gets. And she's very, very honest about it. And uh, and uh, so, yeah, I just I really love that stuff. I love it when people just light you behind the scenes and they they're very they don't pull any punches about what something's like, you know? So she was, she was very open and honest about that. The other thing that stands out about this episode with Cassie is she talks about sports psychology. I asked her about it specifically because uh, that's an interest of mine. And she was also very honest about that and about her journey with sports psychology and, um, and how she approached it, uh, what she believed about it, what she didn't believe about it. <clears throat> and, uh, also very, very interesting. And I learned a great deal. And that was the great thing about a lot of these conversations. Like I, I felt like every time the conversation ended, I, I just knew more. I was smarter. I was wiser. Um, I had more knowledge and, you know, you also feel like you get to know somebody obviously, but <clears throat> I didn't want it to be either a situation where I'm just the one asking the questions all the time and I'm not sharing it in my own life. I felt like I try to share some of my own life as well. And I feel like when you do that, quite often people will mirror and give you back the same thing that you've laid down. So you, when you hear me talk to other people, quite often I'll do that. The last episode with Ron McLean, I did it when I talked about my, uh, my situation with 22 and, and um, the stuff that I went through in the first, second year or whatever. And, and to get into the Don thing, you know, with him. So it was, it's like, I feel like in life people do that, you know, when you can, when you can mirror, um, you lay down and be vulnerable yourself, people will will often feel more comfortable to be vulnerable as well. So I, I try to do that as much as I can. I don't want people to be on my show and, and they're the only ones giving. I want to give as well so that they feel comfortable to do so. So uh, Cassie was great and um, a really, really good, 
a really good interview because I also feel like, you know, you need to hear from strong female voices and you need to hear women who have, who are, you know, just unapologetically strong and driven. And she is one of those people. And now she's a, obviously a, we talk a little bit about her transition to, into, you know, broadcasting and, and the, the road to do that and how, you know, that was a learning curve for her as well, but she's also, you know, you look at her now and it seems like she's been doing it her whole life. I mean, she's just so smooth and professional. So we talk about that a little bit as well, her transition into sports broadcasting and from, from being a player. So, um, it, uh, it was a really, really good episode. So uh, check that one out. Episode number 10, Cassie Campbell Pascal. Check it out. The next one, episode 11, was with my good friend, Alex Nussbaum. This one was recorded, I do believe, at the Hotel Blackfoot in Calgary, Alberta. Alex was uh, headlining there that weekend. I had not seen him in quite a while. Um, I'd met Alex, my God, maybe 13 years ago, 14 years ago. Uh, for the first time, we went on tour together, I think, through uh, BC. We went to like, uh, where did we go? We went to Kelowna. We also went to like Williams Lake and Quinnell, I do believe. I mean, we were in a car for like six days. I remember the time I was going through a breakup as well. Um, and then this is the first time I met Alex. This is not for this interview, but this is just, I'm just giving you a history of my time with Alex Nussbaum before this. So we, I was going through a breakup as well. And I had to get back from these BC road gigs. I had to, we had to leave super early in the morning because I was doing a radio taping. My first one, I do believe, um, back in Calgary. So we had to leave Quinnell, BC at like 5 a.m. in order to get back in time to Calgary so I could get ready to go to this t- radio taping or whatever. So anyway, um, Alex and I, another person, like, you know, comedy's crazy. You, you find out you're going to be working with this one person, you get in a car and now you're traveling with this person for five, six days in a car. Like, it's just, it's insane. I don't know many other jobs that do that to you. And we hit it off right away. Luckily with the same sense of humor, we would make each other laugh uh, continuously. I remember we were making fun of Ricky's all day grill. That was an inside joke where we just thought it was the funniest name to call a place Ricky's all day grill. And it was just a guy named Ricky who's grilling all day and he's bitter and he's angry and he doesn't fry stuff. He'll never boil or bake something. It is grilling all day and he is angry about it and doesn't feel respected. So we, we drove by that restaurant and just because you're on the road so long and in a car for so long, you just find silly things funny. And we were just laughing, laugh at Ricky's all day grill when we drove by it. Um, so anyway, that was the first time I'd seen Alex in years uh, when we did this interview and it was in his hotel room. He was in town in Calgary uh, headlining. We probably talked about <laughs> Ricky's all day grill uh, in this interview, that old story. But um, this is a great conversation too, because Alex is a very, very smart guy. And I think he he's just a thinker. You know, he's a person who thinks about the comedy industry, how to navigate it. He's written... Um, He's a great comedian, a great stand-up, but he's also worked in Los Angeles now for a number of years and worked in animation as well. And just had a very, a very, um, I guess a varied career. He's, he's just, a, again, can, can just wear so many hats. And when you're in entertainment, the more hats you can wear, the more employable you are, the, the longer, the greater your chances are of having, you know, longevity in the business, I do believe. And Alex is, a person who can deliver live. He's also a person who can write 
And a lot of times people don't wear both of those hats. You know, they like performing, acting, stand up, uh, improv, whatever, but they might not be someone who actually wants to sit in front of a laptop for hours and type up scripts, you know, for either TV or television. And Alex is someone who likes to do both. And so, uh, it was great to hang out with him that weekend as well. I remember we actually went out for a few drinks and hung out with the manager of the, of the last shop as well, Matt. And, and we spent some time together, all of us. And, and that was a lot of fun. But this interview is was really great too because we do get to, to uh, compare our philosophies a little bit about stand-up and, and life in general. And um, again, if, if you're a real comedy junkie and you love – you know, again, just the rawness of like, what is it really like to be a comedian? And I really feel like, you know, if you're a comedian in Canada, I think it's a little different than being a comedian in another country. You know, Canada is so big. It's so sparse. Quite often the gigs are so spread out. Um, in America, you live in California. I mean, you can play, you know, you know, we're talking pre COVID, but I mean, you could play a gig within, you know, 30 minutes of each other. There's probably, you know, tons of, there's tons of comedy clubs, tons of open mics, tons of like one night shows. Whereas in Canada, you mean, you have to drive hours sometimes to find the next venue, you know, and especially living in Western Canada, it was like, it was nothing to drive nine hours to get to one show, do that show and turn around and drive home nine hours. Like that was just the price you had to pay. And we thought of it as normal, but a lot of American comedians would be like, why would someone just drive nine hours for one show and turn around? Because if you live in California, there are comedians in America who just play California and Washington. They don't play anywhere else because there's so many shows that can just stay in those two states and make a career. In Canada, I mean, you just can't do that. You know, it's it's almost impossible. You'll have to get another job if you if you try and do that. So it's a bit of a unique scenario to be a comedian in Canada. And uh, that's why you see a lot of comedians from Canada just up and leave and go go to America because there's just more opportunity in a lot of ways there. And um, Alex has gone down and done very, very well for himself. And I think he's established himself down there as a, as a guy who can get the job done both on stage and off stage. So uh, um, really enjoy catching up with Alex. So that's episode 11, Alex Nussbaum. Now, this next episode, uh, episode 12, is with uh, the musician, the legend, Alan Doyle. Um, this was another phoner. So now I was getting, you know, pretty pretty arrogant with my phone skills. And I was like, yeah, I can, I can talk to anybody on the phone and record it now. I know how to do it. I'm not worried about pressing the wrong button again. And uh, Alan and I had met before briefly, but I didn't really know him very well. But we, this is a really great conversation as well because we talk a lot about music and the process of making music, what it's like to play with a live band. Um I, I'm a big music fan. I love going to live shows. Um, actually, myself and Mark Critch went to see Alan Doyle here in Halifax just a few months ago. And his band, it was probably one of the first live shows that were allowed to happen again, um, you know, during these crazy times. And it was just so cool to be back in a room, you know, with people, socially distanced and all that stuff. But just to watch live music because you realize, oh, yeah, this all just went away and we couldn't do it anymore. It's insane. And, um, and so that was a really special thing. So in this interview with Alan, we, we talk about, you know, making music and playing music and what that feels like. And one of the great things, Alan, one of the pieces piece of advice Alan drops in this episode is talking about if you're serious about being an entertainer or a performer, that you kind of have to invest in yourself. And so you have to hire the right people to do the right jobs. 
And I remember that really stood out to me at the time. Um, because when you're starting out in entertainment, you may not have a lot of money, you're struggling, you might be just going check to check or gig to gig. And you may not feel like, well, I can, you know, I can kind of cut quarters on getting certain things done or finding a cheap way to do things. And it makes sense. But at the end of the day, you're going to get what you pay for. So Alan's advice, you know, in not so many words was just, you know, pay, you know, talented people to do what they do well. You know, that was some of the advice he, he offered in this. And I think it's, it's, uh, it's so true. It's like you, 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 you get good people doing what they do. It solves a lot of problems for you. And, um, that was, that was some of the great advice, but it was a fantastic chat. Um, I really, really appreciated his time. And that's one of these things too, about this podcast is like, you know, people are busy. People have lives. Uh, all these people that I talk to are very, very busy and they have a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, I've said it before on the podcast, but for someone to give you um, a bunch of their time, an hour or more of their time, especially now to me, was like, you know, how lucky am I to get to do that, you know, and for them to be open and honest and talk about failure and struggle and insecurity. And, uh, you know, again, I, I keep saying it, but I learned so much from every single one of them. And they're all things that I can take and apply to my own life for my own career and the goal was that if I can do that, that you as a listener can also apply them to your own life and your own career. And so, um, you know, every single one of these interviews that I've mentioned, these these first 12 episodes, that's the case. It's it's people who definitely have talent, but they have drive. They're willing to push through failure and they're willing to get to the other side and keep moving their feet and keep it going. And uh, I hope you can use that in your own life in some capacity. and and. Uh, move your dreams forward, whatever they are. You don't have to be in entertainment. You don't have to be an athlete. Um, you don't have to be a musician at all. It's just, what is that thing you want to accomplish? And what are the characteristics you're going to need to develop to make that happen? And uh, that's what the Generators podcast is is all about. And so that's the first 12 episodes. So, I mean, you've got a wide variety there. You've got comedians, you've got musicians, journalists. Um, you know, you've got people in fitness. Um it, it, there's a lot of variety in there and you'll see some common threads throughout all the stories. Uh, but I think there's a little something in there for everyone. So I just want to do that to give people a, a bit of a recap of the first 12 episodes. So if you haven't listened, go on back, check them out. There's a ton of them. Uh, we got more great guests coming for you in the coming weeks. And uh, I do appreciate everyone taking the time to listen and to give your feedback. It means a lot to me. It means the world to me. Um, also share this with your friends, if you wouldn't mind letting folks know the podcasts out there, I'm being more heavy with promotion and, and just trying to get it out there. And, and, uh, thanks for all the feedback on, you know, a lot of the episodes, obviously the one with Bob Saget and, and Ron McLean and, and Jerry D and, uh, and all those folks. I really appreciate the feedback on all those. Um, and, uh, going to keep putting them out there. Just want to put out the, the free stuff for you guys and, and hopefully you get something out of it and you can, be entertained or learn something. And, uh, it, uh, it provides some comfort for you during these challenging times. Anyway, that's the recap of the first 12 episodes of generators podcast that again, started on May 26, 2017. Again, crazy to think that, uh, I've been doing it this long, but I want to keep it going. So I hope you have a fantastic week. I hope February is kind to you. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, January's done. Totally just done. That's it. Only 11 months left of the year. 
weird. I don't want to be that guy who says that kind of stuff. Anyway, have a great week and uh, I'll check in with you next week on the Generators Podcast. All right, later. Bye.